Have you ever asked yourself why? Why do I exist? Why is Jesus the only way? Have you ever wondered why you should have community? Why you should be in a small group? Why do I give? Why would I be generous? Why should I serve? And why would I share my faith? Have you ever asked yourself, why should I love my neighbor? That's a hard one. And why would I live a missional life? Why do bad things happen to good people? We all have so many questions. Let's take the time to dive into what scripture has to say. Hey, welcome to the Cross Loganville. So glad you're here. I'm Tim Cash, lead pastor, and today is a great day to fix our eyes on Jesus. Come on. Yeah, let's worship. Let's, uh, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Happy New Year as we start a new year, 2024. I pray it's a, a great year for you in many ways. And uh, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, one of your first few times, the easiest way to kind of access and connect with who we are is via our website, thecrossloganville.org. If you'll go there, you'll find a guest card, you'll find uh, previous sermons, you'll find the Uversion Bible app that we utilize. All of my sermon notes uh, are uploaded there every week. A lot of things on the startup page, take advantage of that and uh, connect with us. We would love to send you information and literature on who we are as a fellowship and a church. Over the last two weeks, we've had the incredible opportunity here to baptize 16 people. Is that not cool? Yeah, give it up. I mean, we're talking about life change, people that are repenting and giving their life to Christ and taking that first step of obedience through baptism. And so it's something to celebrate. You know, the four values that we have here are reaching people, teaching people, training people, and sending people out into the world. And that's what we've been about uh, since I launched uh, pastoring here back in January of 2011. It's like we're going to reach the lost. We're going to teach and train people. So there's just so many ways that you can get connected and grow in your uh, relationship with Christ. And I pray that you would be a part of it. I pray that we would continue to be intentional in reaching more people as we step in to this new year. Today I'm fired up to start a new series with you that I've titled, Why? Why? And uh, as the video, as Teresa, uh, just the bumper was shared, why do we exist? That's going to be the question that I unpackage with you today. Why does God allow suffering? Hannah sent me a note last night. She's reading a book titled Living Like Monks and Praying Like Fools. And she's like, why do we pray? Why do we read the scripture? Why? You guys, you like asking the question, why? When Barb and I first got married... December 1st, we got married. December 11th is my birthday. She said, what kind of cake do you want for your birthday? I said, why do we do cakes on birthdays? I like pecan pie. (laughs) Who said we're supposed to do cakes? And I drove her crazy, and it's probably not past tense. It's probably still present, right? I drive her crazy asking her, like, "Why, why do we do that? Why, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you say the things that you do? Why? Why do we exist? Let's dive into that conversation today. I've seen more men fail in life because they lack purpose, not because they lack ability and talent. I was talking to a guy recently, and he said, I 
I just battle. I'm just stuck with alcoholism. I said, you don't battle alcoholism. You battle living a life of purpose. I've had people tell me over the years, I battle porn addiction. You don't battle porn, you battle purpose. If you knew what your purpose was, you would figure out what fits into that purpose and you would start to eliminate those things that are not a part of even why you exist. Ability without responsibility and accountability is a liability. All of us have abilities, but am I being responsible and accountable with those? I believe if you're going to understand your purpose for existence, you've got to ask God, who made you? God. Whose image are you made in? God. Who put me on the planet? God. I don't start with Dr. Phil. I start with God. I don't start with this new age reasoning. You've got to start with God. And our purpose is not something we decide. It's something we discover as we walk with God. True success in life is knowing and being who you are and then doing what God has created you to do. The reason most people struggle with purpose is they don't know, they don't know who God is, and they've never taken the time to evaluate and sort through who they are. You got to know who you are. You, you you got to know who you are if you're going to be who you are, and then you can start to do those things that really fit with the assignments that God's given you. One of the great passages, Ephesians 5, starting in 15, it says this, be careful how you walk, be careful how you live, not as a foolish man, but as a wise man. Don't live like a fool. You don't have to. You can live a life of wisdom. Then he goes on to say, make the most of your time. Redeem the time. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. Why? Because the days in which we live are evil. That's what the text says. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be careful. It implies pay attention to how you live. Pay attention to what you Give your attention to, pay attention to the way you're doing life right now. Pay attention to what you believe. Pay attention to who you empower as a ultimate authority voice in your life. Pay attention. Don't just drift through life. You have the opportunity to seek truth and to seek wisdom and to seek understanding. Be careful. Be careful how you live. Live according to God's word. Live according to God's wisdom. Live according to God's will. Oppose evil violently with your life. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit every day. Be careful how you live. Pay attention to what you're doing. Three important questions I want to unpackage with you as we contemplate why do I exist. The first question is, What does God want from my life? I would write this down. God, what do you want from my life? What do you you want? It doesn't matter if you're 36 or 56 or 96 or 6. I mean, it's like, God, what do you want? And the answer for each and every one of us is the same. The answer is he wants your devotion. He wants your total devotion. He wants All of you. He wants your life. He wants your schedule. He wants your agenda. He wants everything that you have. What do you want? I want all of you. 
John Piper said, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied with him. I mean, don't you want to live a life where you go, man, I know I'm living a life of purpose. I'm living a life where God is glorified in my life. Now listen to me. There's, there, there's not a single verse in the Bible that says that you can follow Jesus and then live however you want to live. Now there's plenty of verses that say that you can follow Jesus. But part of following Jesus implies that I've got to die to myself. Why do I exist? Why am I on the planet? I'm not here to live any way I want to live. The implied is in Scripture. When Jesus says, come and follow me, following Jesus implies that he is your now, your new authority, and he calls the shots in your life. That's what's implied. So when I repented of sin and placed my faith and confidence in Christ, I couldn't live however I wanted to live and claim that Jesus was my master. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. I love this text. Romans 6.1, basically Paul is presenting the argument to those in Rome, and he makes this statement. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound more freely? And then he goes on to say, God forbid, how can you who say you've died to sin and are alive to Christ keep living in sin? No. He builds the argument. We get to verse 12, and he says this. Do not let sin Sin is willfully going against God. It's missing the mark of his righteousness. Sin is when we say, I know that's the wrong thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sin. Do not let sin, listen to me, Ray, do not let sin control the way you live. He goes on to say, do not give in to sinful desires. Don't let sin control you. Don't even start to flirt with and give in to the sinful desires. Oh, this will make my flesh happy. This is going to satisfy me. Don't give in to that desire. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Do not, do not, do not. And then he says, instead, listen to me, listen to me. Instead, give yourselves completely, not partially, not 5%, not 10%, not 20%. Give yourselves completely to God. You claim that you know Christ. Once upon a time, you were dead. Now you're alive. You've got new life in Christ. You can't claim Jesus and live like hell. You can't say you know the Savior and do whatever you want to do. No, you've died to sin. Use your whole body. My whole body? Everything about you. Use your whole body to do what is right and to glorify God. Stay with me. When I'm studying, I will circle words, highlight words. Come on. And I start going through it, and I'm like, man, I got to circle that one. I got to highlight that one. I want to define that one. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm highlighting and underscoring even in Romans 6. Give yourself completely. Got that one highlighted. Whole body highlighted. Why? What do you want, God? I want all of you. I want all of your devotion. That's what you want. Yes. Jesus, what do you, that's what you're asking me for. Yes, I didn't come to take part. I came to take over. I don't want a part of you. I want to be the Lord and master and ruler of your life. C.S. Lewis, that great mind, mere Christianity, 
so many things Lewis has written, he made this observation. He said, the only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The only thing Christianity cannot be is just moderately important. Why? Because if it is true, then it deserves everything that we have. If it is true, it deserves everything that I can bring to the dance. If it is true, it's an all or nothing, all, all chips pushed in, I'm all in. If it's true, if it's not true, then you shouldn't be here today, and neither should I. If Christianity is just moderately important, why would we be here today? We will put it in just a small little compartment of our life and say, well, th 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 that's enough. I, 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 I give up 80 minutes on Sunday. Really, out of the 1,440 minutes you get in a day and a 10,080 you get in a week, you, you, you're going to look at that week and go, 80 is enough. And all you're screaming is, moderately at best, it's not really even important and essential. It's just something I will do. If Jesus Christ is true, it should determine the way we live the rest of our lives. As we step into a new calendar year, if he is true, it should determine the way we step into the rest of our life. So when it comes to our body, when it comes to our time, when it comes to our resources, when it comes to our finances, if Jesus Christ is true, then he is master, ruler, authority, and Lord over all of that. He gets your body, he, he gets my body. He gets what I put in it, what I put on it, what I put around it. You, you, you've got my body. I can't abuse it, can't misuse it. You tell me that my body is a temple where the Holy Spirit now dwells. Don't pollute it, don't dilute it, don't, don't, don't do that. Bring your whole body and give it to him. Even when God, all the way back in Deuteronomy, is declaring messages to the people of Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, we read, Listen now, Israel. Listen, listen, Israel. Israel, God's covenant chosen people. Listen, what does the Lord your God require of you? Well, what does God require? Here's what he requires, that you fear the Lord your God. You give him incredible, ultimate reverence of everything that you do. Fear him. He's God. He's holy. Fear him. What else? That you walk daily in the ways of the Lord. That, that, that's what he wants. That you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you serve him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does he want? Everything. Everything. Complete body, mind, soul. Caitlin, that's what he wants. When I come to him, he goes, I want everything. And I want to show you how to live. I want to show you the the unforced rhythms of my grace that will coach you into how to live. Even in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, in that great sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus in his declaration there in Matthew 6, he makes this statement, no one, that includes me, that includes you, not a person who has ever lived will live. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. 
Why? He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God in pleasure. You cannot serve God and fill in the blank. You know what's interesting about this text? He doesn't say, you know, you should not try serving God in money. You shouldn't. He says, you cannot. Why, Seth? Because it's impossible to have two number one priorities in your life. You follow me. It is impossible. This is Jesus, the one I claim I follow. He said, do you not realize it's impossible to have two number one priorities in your life? One of the things I've used in illustration, get this for me. I want you, I want you to wrap your mind around this. Is using this, this wheel, this circle, okay? And so as it pops up on the screen, when you think of who you are as an individual, there's basically five areas of your life, no matter who you are. Matt, just meeting you, don't even know you, five areas of your life. Five areas. There's five areas of your life, Pat, five areas. You've got a personal life. You've got a family life. You've got a job. You go to school, part of your life. You live in some type of community somewhere. And for most people in the South, they've got some type of church life or a re religious life. The question is, what occupies the center, the center of your life? For a lot of people, it's money. If they had to put what was in the center of li their life, they would draw a dollar sign and say, money drives who I am. For some people, it's fame. I worked in that industry for a long time. For some people like me, for years, it was a baseball. That would have been in the center of my life. For others, it's living a life of hedonistic pleasure. For others, it's themselves and their egotistical arrogance. What I learned is when Jesus occupies the center, he starts to live his life out through me and my personal life. Sleeping, resting, water intake, diet. He's like, I want to live my life out through you there. He starts to live his life out through me and my family with me and Barb and my kids. And he's like, I want to live my life out through you there. Seth, when you go back to play baseball here in a few weeks, he's like, hey, Seth, let me live my life out through you when you're out there training, when you're on the mound, when you're playing in these games, no matter where you're at. Let me live my life out through you, Sandra, when you're making these home health care visits and you're in there. Let me live myself out through you there and when you're in your community dealing with neighbors and let me live myself out through you there and when you come to church you're not a taker you're you're a contributor and he goes let me live my life out through you there wherever you go he wants to live his life out through us but whatever is in the center of our lives is what is living through us right now that's true for you Michelle that that's true for all of us what is in the center of your life now listen to this. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is walking down the street, and this guy approaches Jesus. This man does. It's crazy. This man approaches Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and says, hey, come, follow me. And the guy responds to Jesus by saying this, okay, okay, I, I, I will follow you, but Lord, let me follow. First, go take care of some things. Do you not realize that the word Lord 
and me first is a contradiction. Let me first be me. Let me first have fun. Let me first pursue the life I want to have. Let me sow a few more wild oats. I'm not done with that yet. Let me first pursue all this financial wealth. Lord, let me first. It is a contradiction of terms. Because as soon as you say me first, he is not the Lord of your life. And here, here's the paralyzing truth. Listen to me. And I share this with compassion and love for you. Me first has caused many to reject Jesus. Me first has sent many people to hell because they refuse to submit and surrender, Mama Kay, to the Lordship of Jesus. And we've got to stop. Stop. And we've got to ask ourselves, in what areas of my life am I saying me first? In what areas of my life am I declaring me first? What does God want from you? What does God want from me? Total devotion. My devoted love. He wants my heart. He wants me. He wants everything that I've got. Bring it to me. Second question. But if that's what he wants... What will it cost me? If I really were to say yes to Jesus, what is it going to cost me? What, what is the payment plan over here for me? What, can I tell you what it's going to cost you? The answer is discipline. Proverbs 10:17 says, "Whoever, whoever, that could be me, that could be you, whoever practices discipline is on the way to life. Life. Very few find it. How do I find life? By living a disciplined life. Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and he makes this statement. Timothy, listen to me. Listen to me. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline? In the Greek, it's the word gumnaza. It's where we get the English word for gymnasium from. And the implied is when you start to walk with God, it's like spiritually sweat it out, stay with it, don't give up, do another rep, don't throw the towel in, never be satisfied. Gumnaza yourself for the purpose of being godly. You can't be a disciple without discipline because disciple and discipline are like Siamese twins. And the hard thing about discipline, it's delayed gratification. We start the year. It's amazing right now. I mean, owning even a 24-hour workout place or whatever, it's amazing. You got these people going, all right, man, January 1st, resolution, baby. And all people are doing is re-saluting something they didn't do before. So they run down and I'm going to join this gym, gym membership. All right, this is the year I get it in shape. Okay, here we go. And we go down and 
Maybe we find a personal trainer and we find someone to connect with and we're like, all right, man, help me. And we go through that first workout on January 2nd and we wake up the next day and because we've done no gumnaza for a long period of time, the hammies are barking. We did a few reps on the bench and so our chest and our pecs and everything's hurting and it's like, oh, gone, dude. I didn't know I was going to be this sore. But hey, 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 but the personal trainer says it's part of the deal, man. You got to stay with it. So we fall back into the gym Thursday. We go back in a day. Today we're going to do legs. So we're over here doing lunges and we're doing squats. And all of a sudden, man, we're doing some core stuff and we're doing planks. And, and we wake up Friday going. <sighs> and here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So Saturday morning we go in. We stand on our scales. <sighs> I ain't even lost a pound. And we throw the towel in. You're not going to work out anymore? I worked out a whole week and didn't lose any weight. <laughs> Listen, Charlie, you've been sitting on the sofa for the last eight years eating Cheetos, okay? <laughs> I've looked at your diet. And even though you went to work out, I saw you with the pecan sandies last night dipping them in milk before you went to bed. <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it. So we don't discipline ourselves for godliness. Why? You, you mean to tell me, God, if he gets my heart, he starts to clean up the way I do life? You, you mean I, I won't want to go to certain places anymore and hang out with some of the same you can hang out with them. It's just where you hang out with them at. And it's, it's discipline. It requires it. It's delayed gratification. It's tough. It's paying the price now to benefit later. Do you know the areas that you're disciplined in right now? It's the areas you want to be disciplined in. You know the areas you're disciplined in? You're disciplined with things that are important to you. And whether there's any redemptive benefit whatsoever... You're disciplined in those areas. And people tell me all the time, man, hey, I encourage you, download the YouVersion Bible app. Start a devotional plan. Start to pick up the Word every morning. Man, I just don't have time. If we approach the Word of God like we did the next meal with a I got to eat mindset, guess where we would be at the end of 2024? If we approach the Word of God with, man, I got to have it. I can't live without it. Where would we be? I mean, it's been a crazy last few months for me. Right? It's been crazy. But I was thinking through this on my birthday, December 11th. Barbara goes, what's your vision for the, your 62nd year on the planet? I said, I, I, I don't know. I'm not there. But I started thinking about the four faces that would be on my spiritual Mount Rushmore. Talked to her about my dad, my buddy Tom in Crawford, but I told her about Walter, the guy that introduced me to the Word of God. I drove down to Noonan and we did Walter's celebration of life yesterday. Walter died on January 1st and he's in the presence of the Lord, but with dementia and all the stuff he had working, he didn't even know what day it was and what time it was. And, but that dude had such a hunger and thirst for God and the Word of God. And right after I got saved, I'm talking about 38 years ago. He put his arm around me. We grabbed the word of God, and he said, we're going to read it, research it, and remember it. And John Mark, that's when I started diving in. And I've dove into it ever since. Why? 
Because this right here is to be used like bread for daily use, not like cake for special occasions. And so many people treat the Word of God, and I don't like cake, back to the pie illustration. I don't like cakes anyway. I'd rather have a pie. But Candace, you make good cakes, girl. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but how do you do it? You've got to develop healthy habits. You've got to develop holy habits. Habits will determine your destiny. They will. Me and my buddy Dallas were talking about this a few weeks ago. That you've you got to watch your words. Or, or should I say you've got to watch your thoughts. Because your thoughts are going to become your words. And you've got to watch your words because they're going to become your actions. And you've got to watch your actions because they're going to become your habits. And you've got to watch your habits because they're going to become your disciplines. And you've got to watch your discipline, disciplines because they're going to shape your character. And you've got to watch your character because it's going to determine your destiny. Healthy habits. I don't have permission to say that. I don't have permission to do that. I don't even have permission to think that. I'm not going to go there. Why? Because I know that I will reap what I sow. What am I sowing today? You want to change your life? You want to change your destiny? Start to develop holy, healthy habits. Listen to this right here. Incredible verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 11. Look at this hall of faith. Look at these godly dudes. By faith, men of old gained approval with God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Look at this list of all these godly men of faith in Hebrews 11. Mama Kate, we get to verse, chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Therefore... Therefore, because God has called us to live by faith and live a purposeful life, to know why we exist. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin. As I said, sin, man, that's wrong. That doesn't honor God. Sin, that's what Jesus died for. Look, lay aside that sin. Stop it. That's what he says. And then he says, lay aside every weight. What is a weight? When you study the scripture, the word weight, it literally means it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not necessary. And we allow so many things that are not necessary to weigh us down. We've got all these weights, and weights vary according to what individual you're talking to. But we get weighed down. Look in the mirror. It's like, man, i got to protect this image, and I'm going to look a certain way. Or we got these weights where we just stay fixated on social media and locked into the screen. It's a weight. It's weighing you down. It's taking you away from running the race with endurance that is set before you. A weight can be a relationship that you just like, I still hang out there, man, but it just weighs me down. It's an expectation that you've had on somebody and they haven't met it yet, and it's weighing you down. It's an activity or something you've got on your schedule, and God's been telling you, man, cut it out. A weight. It can be a memory. Somebody hurt you. Somebody said something wrong to you, and you're carrying this stinking memory around, and it's a weight. It's something that you're afraid of. It's a fear deep down inside your heart, and it's a weight, man. I, I got this fear inside of me. Let us lay aside sin. Yes. Yes. Quit, quit sinning. 
You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and living in sin. But he's implying one of the, one of the ways you want to run this race, you want to gumnaza, you want to discipline yourself to be all that you can be for the glory of God. And I have to stop and go, do I have any weights in my life right now that are weighing me down? If I'm serious about walking with God, I've come to realize that I have to say no to a bunch of good things in order to say yes to the best thing, which implies, and here's something I would write down, you must learn to, to eliminate so that you can dedicate. I want to be dedicated. Then what do you need to eliminate? It's weighing you down. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is invited over. He's hanging out with these two sisters, Mary and Martha. They had a brother, Lazarus. But he's hanging out with these two girls, and, and he's in their home. And, and the scripture says, Martha became distracted with her task. She got distracted. You ever find yourself distracted? Man, I was running so well. I had my eyes fixated on where I was supposed to be going, but... I've become distracted. I started the year, man. I was getting into the Word every day, and I was pressing into prayer, and I was journaling. And, but I got distracted. What distracted you? And I see so many people, man, shipwreck. They get off course, and they end up drifting. I'm just drifting. I don't know who I am, where I'm at, where I'm going. I'm just drifting. It's like, stop. Don't you think it's wise to maybe spend some time with God and breathe and lean in and say, why do I exist? What is my true purpose for being on the planet? Am I living according to that purpose? If you live 70 years on the planet, you're going to get 25,500 days. Hey, man, how long have you been here? Been here 61. Didn't do the math, but I'm getting closer to that number. Barb's dad, 96 years old when he died. He got 35,000 days on the planet. Like, that, that's pretty good. My buddy Benji died recently, 56 years old. He got 20,500 days. So whether you get 20,000 days or 30,000 days or whatever number you get or 10,000 days, don't you think it would be wise, wise, wise? Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Don't live as a fool. Don't you think it would be wise? to maybe stop and for 10 of those days or if it takes you 20 of those days or even 50 of those days to stop and go, hold on, why am I on this planet? Because if you can redeem the, the purpose of why you exist, it will change how you live those other days. It started for me that one day, October of 1985 when I surrendered, but I'm like, I'm going to need some time figuring out who God is, who I am, why I'm here. And you know what? I'm still discovering that. Hey, hey, how do you want me to live today? What do you want me to see today? What do you want me to know today? And it goes back to what is the center of my life? Write this statement down. It's never too late to be who you might have been. It's never too late to be who you might have been. I think so many people get lost in the journey. Man, I've wasted it away, and I've just wasted time in so many other areas. And you know what? I'll never be who God wanted me to be. It's never too late to be who you might have been.
Why? God, what do you want? I, I, I want your total devotion. What's it going to cost me? It's going to cost you everything. You're going to have to be disciplined. Why, why should I surrender to you? Why? Two words, the cross. Why should I surrender? The cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The word of the cross to those perishing is foolishness, but to those being saved is God's power unto salvation. The word of the cross is what? God's power. It will lead to salvation, redemption, forgiveness, hope. Romans 12, I urge you therefore now, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice unto God. Why would I want to do that? Present yourself acceptable to God. Why would I do that? Because it's your spiritual service of worship. What are you going to do with your life? What am I going to do with life? Well, first of all, I'm going to conclude it's not my life. I think that's a fundamental problem even in reasoning. Philosophically, when you break it down, people go, well, what are you going to do with your life? It ain't yours. It's good Southern English, right? It's not yours, dude. It belongs to the one who gave it to you. Your life is nothing but a vapor. It's a gift. What are you going to do with it? I can promise you right now, if it was not for the cross of Jesus Christ, I would have no purpose and destiny. The cross. Hope, salvation, peace, grace. How many ways can you get to God? It's just, it's just one through the cross. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. When you look at the cross, whatever church you might affiliate at occasionally. But when you look at the cross, here's what I would tell you. That is the most powerful declaration of love to humanity. For God so loved that he gave. It is the most powerful symbol known to humanity. The cross echoes that my arms are wide open. Would you please come to me if you're tired, weary, and wore out with religion and just all kinds of junk. Would you come to me? The cross welcomes us to come and die. And my question would be, have you embraced the cross? Hey, God, what do you want? I want everything you got. I want your devotion to hell. I want you to surrender to me. What's it going to cost me? Uh, you, any man after putting his hands to the plow and looking back, he's not fit for the kingdom. It's going to cost you discipline. You're at, I want you to walk with me. I'm not going to weigh you down, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not a killjoy God. I'm going to free you up. Why, 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 should, why should I do that, Lord? Because look at the price that I've paid to redeem you so that you could be back with me. Let me close you with this. I want you to think about this. Maybe you have stepped into that relationship with the Lord yourself. Maybe you haven't. Today is a great opportunity to say, you know what, I want, I'm ready to repent and ask Christ to save me. I, I really want to know the Lord. That's one whether you're watching online, whether you're here with us live, here would be the second thing I would encourage you to do. I want you over the next hours and even these next few days to write down the names of people that you genuinely love, whether they're family members, friendships, neighbors, coworkers, whatever you got. 
I want you to write down those people and start praying for them. You go, this person is alienated. Can I tell you something? We care about people here. Your story matters. We believe people, every person we meet matters. There was a young man that came into the first service, 20 years old. He's like, man, I, I, I'm searching. What are you searching for? I, I, don't even, I, I don't even know. My son Caleb and a couple of other young men sat with him. He goes, man, I don't even know why I exist. He goes, man, he's sitting here listening to it today. He goes, I don't, even, I, I don't know, but I'm getting ready to go to college here in about seven months. And eight months, man, I, I, I'm just trying to figure some things out before I go to college. And I said, I'm so proud of you. There's people around you right now that are trying to figure it out. People around you right now that are lost and confused. Write their names down and start praying for those people. Pray, Lord. I pray for and whoever the name is. I pray for Cindy. I pray for, for Chad. I pray for, Lord, I'm lifting them up. I pray that the eyes of their heart would be softened so that they could understand how good you are. Start praying for those people. And if you know them, do something. Hey, I want to invite you to come to church with me. I, I want you to start to get around a Jesus-style culture where people genuinely love God and they love others. And, man, they're all struggling in there just like you are. None of our tassels have been turned. We're all trying to figure it out. 